Good morning. Welcome to Glenbrook BAPS. My name is uh, George Stathius and I'm going to be asking the question this morning, what is your greatest need? It's interesting, coming out of COVID, uh, people will be asking that question, what is your greatest need? But as always, the scriptures have things to say about the things that we actually go through in life. Will you uh, pray with me? Uh, Father God, we do pray and ask that as we uh, reflect on this passage, enable us to be people that see the importance of seeing the things that not only we think we need, but what is it that God sees in us that we really do need. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, if you could turn as well to Mark chapter 2, I'll be reading uh, from Mark 2, uh, verse 1 to the end of 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralysed man carried by four. Since that there were, they could not get him in um, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof and and they made an opening in, in, in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And he lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralysed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this man talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit what they were thinking and in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralysed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say to him, Pick up your mat and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority in heaven and earth to forgive sins. He said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up took his mat and walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. It's quite extraordinary. We have never seen anything like, like this, absolutely. Um, I was up late one night a couple of years ago and I was watching this TV show called Caught on Camera. Uh, and it's about people who find themselves in particular situations and how do do they get out of the situation? This one was a skydiving one, and can I say, skydiving ones are always really, really great stories uh, as well. There was this man who felt his greatest need was to actually jump out of an aeroplane and to skydive. Now, he was only a beginner, he'd never done it before, and so what they do is, is that they don't let you jump out of a plane on your own with a parachute. You're probably more than likely to jump out with a shopping bag or something like that. And so what they do is, is that you've got, you've got the inexperienced person here and then you've actually got the instructor strapped to your back and he has the parachute. Very important that he has the parachute, not you. And he's the one that pulls the ripcord. Anyway, the, 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 the court on camera show starts with this. It starts there in the cockpit of the plane and the beginners are going like this, really excited about jumping out of the plane. And he goes, and you see the instructor going, three, two, one, 
jump and the two of them jumped out of the plane. And, and to make things even better, everything was filmed by another skydiver who jumped out. And anyway, what happened is, is that when you see the beginner jump out with the skydiver who has the parachute, you see this big balloon, like a weather balloon, goes out with them. And apparently, the physics of the whole thing is, is that when you've got the balloon, it slows your rate of fall down. And what it means is that the parachute doesn't tear um, when the ripcord is, is, is pulled. So anyway, the cameraman f settles himself and he zooms in. And what has happened is that the cord connected to the instructor's uh, parachute has actually wrapped around his neck and he's passed out. And the beginner knows nothing about it. Like, the, as the cameraman gets closer and closer to try to pull the ripcord, this guy, giving him high fives, pulling faces at the camera, it's actually quite extraordinary. And eventually, the fight and the tussle and pulls the ripcord, the parachute opens, and then the announcer says, caught on camera. And it was actually, like, literally something like 10 seconds from his death. Quite extraordinary. There's this man who thought his greatest need in life was to go skydiving, but in actual fact, his greatest need in life was to actually be saved. And that is the theme of what we're going to be looking at uh, today. So what happens is this, is that uh, in Capernaum, Jesus is teaching in a house. Uh, the houses in Jesus' time were not all that big. There was the one sort of major room separated by cloth. Um, and Jesus is in this house, it's packed out. It's going to be a bit like Monday, tomorrow, when everything goes back supposedly to normal. People will be out and about, there'll be crowds in the plaza, trust me. People will be everywhere. And it's a bit like that. You'd imagine people in this, in this house in Capernaum, they're standing wall to wall like this, uh, listening to Jesus speak. These men, they faithful friends. You've got to have four friends like this in life. They carry this mat to Jesus. And they look at the crowd, the whole place is full, it's chock-a-block with people. What do you do? Do you just sort of, in despair, go home or do, you, or do you try to persevere? These men persevere because in the days of Jesus they didn't have sort of like disabled parking that you could just sort of park in and you got the spot straight away and you get the best room in the house. Not at all. These guys go around to the back of the house, they pass uh, the paralysed man onto the roof and in Jesus' day... Roofs would have been not all that high, maybe the height of me. Um, and what, what happened was that they passed the guy at the back. They start peeling off the mud tiles off the roof of the house, basically where Jesus is. And keep in mind, this is probably the first time in, in biblical history that a skylight has actually been installed in someone's house. So this, this skylight has been installed. And what you see happening is you see then this paralysed man is lowered down by his four mates. Lowered down, lowered down, placed before the feet of Jesus. And everybody is waiting, 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 waiting for Jesus to do what? To heal him. The, 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 the people there, they're wanting to see something happen because they know that Jesus has the capacity to be able to heal, to be able to do this miracle. But what takes place is this is that, look at verse 5. Jesus says to the paralysed man, wait for this, son, your sins are forgiven. I mean, picture this. This man had been carried around like a beanbag for half a day. 
uh, he's been lowered down, and you'd imagine as, as he's lowered down, his mates would have said something like, uh, did somebody say Kentucky Fry? Uh, you know, this guy is sort of like let down slowly, 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 until he lands at the feet of Jesus. And, 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 and there he is, Jesus saying the words to him, Son, your sins are forgiven. Like, I, I want to be honest in reflection of this passage, but I often wonder what the paralysed man was actually thinking. There he is thinking to himself, man, I'm, I'm with this man who can do something about my condition. And he says to me, son, your sins are forgiven. I mean, the guy might have been thinking, yeah, I really feel like going for a walk. Uh, maybe I'll go to the skate park this afternoon. I mean, you know, he is wanting to be healed above everything. And the religious leaders, you've got to reflect on them for a little while in verses 6 and 7, because they themselves say, this man is blaspheming. In other words, this man is sort of claiming to be God, and there's only one God, and this man reckons that he, he, he can actually forgive sins. Well, only God can do that. Let me say this, the religious leaders are right um, in saying only God can forgive sins, but they're wrong because of the fact that in their midst is God himself that actually has the capacity to be able to um, uh, forgive sins. You know, does this man have some sort of hidden sin in his life that we don't know about? No, I don't think so. I think this man is, is, is a person who's just like us, who needs the forgiveness of God, and all of us in our lives need the forgiveness of the living God. So Jesus, in his discussion with the religious leaders, uh, as they discuss about what is happening, Jesus says to them this, you want to know the authority that I have to be able to forgive sins? I have the ability to be able to forgive sins because I'm God incarnate. And you want to know whether I've got that authority? Watch this. And he says to the man, to the paralyzed man, stand up, get your mat, roll it up like a kebab, a kebab and get out of here. And this guy, in full view of everybody, stands up. Like, like understand this, this man would have been paralysed. So this man could not walk at all. And so all of a sudden, picture this, this man not only able to walk, but he's able to actually carry, in, in, in the Greek, it's actually a wooden pallet. So there would have been some sort of weight to it, but this guy all of a sudden was able to pick up his mat and actually leave and to be able to actually uh, walk out in front of everybody. And it shows us this, that when God forgives... He does it totally. Notice the man doesn't limp out. When God heals, he does it totally. When God forgives, he does it totally. You know, you might be watching uh, this morning and you might be thinking to yourself, uh, you know, God, and I remember before, before I became a Christian, wrestling with the question, could God really, really forgive me? Could God forgive me? And when I reflect on, on this passage and I reflect on others that, that friends of mine gave me in the New Testament, I understood that God can actually forgive. No matter who you are, what you've done, understand this, that God is able to forgive. And that's why God, and that's why Jesus forgives the man first because this is his greatest need. 
He doesn't even realise it, but he's realising it in this passage that God is the one and God only can forgive sins and that is our greatest need. You might be sitting here, as uh, Adrian sort of mentioned this morning, you might be thinking, gosh, I really need that haircut, something serious. You know, God says you need something far more. There's far more at stake than just a haircut or a, or a, or a hamburger. Um, this man... When he comes to Jesus, all it did was cost Jesus a word. Jesus just said, pick up your mat and work, walk, and the man was able to do that. But notice for Jesus to forgive, what did it cost him? It cost him his blood. It cost Jesus his, his life um, for us to be pardoned. Do you know, um, going back maybe uh, 120 years ago, uh, there was a man, we're not quite sure what he did, but he committed some sort of capital crime. It could have been treason, theft, or maybe even murder. But we do know this, that the man uh, was due to die um, via, via hanging. And, um, and they set the date for the man to actually die. And people in his local area, and in America you can do this, like it happened with Donald Trump, that he... Uh, pardoned somebody for what they did. Well, this man, his local community, uh, begged the local governor, can you have this man pardoned? They begged, they begged, they begged. And finally the guy said, what do I need to do? And they said, you need to draw up an official document, give it to the man on death row, and he will be a pardoned man. And, um, and the story goes, it's a true story, that the man, um, why he was in prison, uh, the governor went to visit him, and gave to the man the pardon and said, here is the pardon. And the man said, I don't want the pardon. And he said, well, you must take the pardon because the pardon forgives you. The man refused to take it and sadly to say died um, because of his actions. You know, I told this story to a group of high school students um, teaching scripture many years ago. And a boy at the back of a seminar, there might have been a, 120 kids in this seminar and one boy yelled out from the back he said well that guy's an idiot like I still remember like like he just was outspoken and yelled that out and I remember saying back to this young man as I said to all of the students that day I said you know who are the fools in this passage the the, the fools are those who reject the pardon and God offers us that pardon as well that pardon to be forgiven um, it's quite an extraordinary passage. Maybe today something has stirred in your heart and you are thinking to yourself, uh, what do I do about this passage? Uh, what do I do about the issue of forgiveness in my life? Uh, maybe you ought to contact Adrian um, and speak to him about uh, the pardon that God offers us, the pardon of the cross. Because do you know, friends, the big issue in this passage is not... Uh, the fact that the man was able to stand. But the big issue is, how do you stand before God? Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, we do give thanks and we do pray and ask that all of us may be reminded today of, of the cross, may be reminded of what you've come to do and help all of us, Lord, to be amazed as everybody was in this passage saying that we have never seen anything like this. Um, help us to live in light of God's forgiveness. 
In Jesus' name, amen.